Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a podcast from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church with five locations in Utah. Each week we'll be hearing from our lead pastor, Paul Roden, and others as we explore what it means to be fully delighted in God and how we help as many people as possible experience this at SMCC. This is the Fully Delighted Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast. This is the podcast that we hope brings uh, more delight and less despair. And I'm joined today by our teaching pastor, Eric Nelson, and our lead pastor, Paul Roby. Guys, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Really excited to be here, um, having another conversation about things that are really important to me. I'm looking forward to this as well. It's one of my favorite uh, cultural values that we'll be talking about. Excellent, excellent. And yeah, we're going through, continuing through our cultural values, part of being an irresistible culture um, for for our church. That's not just Sunday mornings, but also throughout the week. And so I'm excited as well. I think this is a really good one uh, that I think people can can get a lot out of. Uh, But before we get into that, I just want to give a quick reminder to everybody about a few quick things. First off, Thank you guys so much for listening, subscribing, and sharing. Um, we are uh, well past 3,000 downloads now for this podcast, and um, just we're really grateful that you are continuing to listen, um, continuing to share this, and uh, and just subscribing. So just a reminder, if you haven't already, go ahead in your podcast app and hit the subscribe button so that you're going to continue to get these uh, notifications as we release these episodes. You can also listen to them on the SMCC app as well. So I just want to encourage you with that. And as well, um, just thank you again for for leaving ratings on, on our podcast as well. Whatever you're listening on, whatever format it is, you can leave a rating. Uh, we've got one from this person, uh, this user, uh, badger.proofreader is, is the third name that they chose. They gave us five stars and just said, outstanding episode, uh, extremely informative and inspiring. Thank you for all uh, for what you do for the church. Um, so we appreciate that and, and just love that people are, are enjoying this and being able to to leave some reviews. And a reminder as well, we do love to answer questions. You can email us a question if you don't want to do a, a voicemail or something, but we do like getting questions from people. And uh, you can simply do that by emailing smcc at smccutah.org. That'll be in the description below. Or if you want to call in and leave a voicemail as well, that number is 801-382-8151. That number is also in the description below. So uh, we love to answer those questions for you, and I uh, think it's really helpful for others to, to get those questions answered as well. Well, gentlemen, today we are going through our third value under the kind of irresistible culture umbrella, and this is a really cool one, and I want our listeners to make sure they hear this correctly. We at SMCC believe that maturity is measured by how well we love God and others. Paul, why is that such an important thing and, and kind of a, a, something that a lot of people look at and go, oh, I wouldn't think you would say that's what maturity is. Right. I, I have some background to this, and it and has to do with how I developed in my early life as a Christian. I think starting out as a Christian at uh, 15 and a half years old, I was uh, with a group of people that uh, theology didn't matter very much. And then I got into a church where the pastor had actually graduated from Dallas Theological Seminary. He was a Greek major. I was fascinated by Bible study and the clear exegesis of God's Word, and so I was really drawn to that. So I went to college, I went to a Bible church, and I was surrounded by Bible people. And then I went to seminary at Talbot Theological Seminary, and it's well known for People like John MacArthur graduated from there. Um, people that are Bible people. Mm-hmm. And before I knew it, I was surrounded by people 
that took as much pride in how much they knew about the Bible as about anything else in their life, and truly measured maturity by how many verses they could quote, uh, how they could find different verses in the Bible, just quickly quote different things. It was all about Bible knowledge. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I discovered that these were some of the most unloving people I had ever met. It didn't translate. You know, all that Bible knowledge didn't translate into a lifestyle of love. Now, I'm not saying they didn't love God. I'm not saying they didn't love others, but it, it wasn't what you noticed about them. You noticed kind of an arrogance, like, I'm smarter than you, I'm right, you're wrong. You know, they, they took quite a bit of comfort knowing that they're on the right side of all these theological issues. And, and I said to myself, you know, whenever I can start a church, I don't like that. I, I, I want to steer away from that. I want to see if we can value the Bible— Take theologic, uh, the, theology and theological concepts seriously, and at the same time, the first thing that people notice about us is that we're loving. You know, so kind of the grace and truth type of a concept uh, massaged into more of a, uh, we're measuring maturity by how well we love, not by how much we know. And so that's the story behind this value. And I, it's become very, very important to me. Yeah, we've adopted a phrase at SMCC. Uh, it's on the wall in the Lehigh location. We say it a lot. It's, what does love require of me? You know, when in doubt, when we don't know what to do, when we're stuck in a situation, we're not sure how to move forward, we ask ourselves that question, what does love require of me? And, um, and when we answer that question, uh, it can really pave a path forward for creating this type of culture uh, and being these types of people. Now, this gets all the way back to the New Testament, Paul. There's a few key passages in the New Testament um, for us that have really shaped this value. Let's talk about a few of those, Paul. Which one do you want to start with? Well, I like that. Uh, I like the fact that we're going to the Bible mm-hmm. to, de- to define what love is. Like, sometimes people can say... Uh, what does love require of me? And it's really code for whatever I feel like the loving thing to do is, that's what I'll do. Mm. That's not what we're saying here. Right. And we're saying, what does love, as the Bible defines it, require of me? Mm. And so one of the great passages uh, is kind of the Apostle Paul's kind of wrapping up a long argument in Galatians 5 about uh, just grace and and how it works its way out in a believer's life. He says this, For in Christ neither circumcision nor circum, uh, uncircumcision has any value. Then he makes an astonishing statement. He says, The only thing that counts, the only thing that matters, is faith expressing itself through love. Man, that's a powerful statement. That That's kind of like a cherry on the top, of the Sunday statement, like, this is what it's all about. And so we tried to take that um, Apostle Paul truth, Mm -hmm. biblical truth, and put it into a cultural value. 
Yeah, I think the Apostle Paul is obviously, uh, you know, knows what Jesus said when Jesus was asked what was the greatest commandment. It's love God, the same as just like it, love others. Uh, one day Jesus does something astonishing with the disciples. He he washes their feet, and you know the disciples can hardly stomach it. They just can't. They just can't understand why this rabbi would be would be doing this. And then and then Jesus says, uh, when you serve in this way, or when you love each other like this, this sacrificial type of love, the whole world will know that you are my disciples. So love is uh, it communicates a message. It's how people know who we belong to. And then, uh, and then I love this too. In Romans 15, the Apostle Paul uh, says this, we who are strong, other translations, mature, the mature ones among you, the strong ones among you, what should we do? We ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's not the mature ones should spend all their time studying, memorizing. It's to get involved with people who are struggling, and you will quickly feel like you are in over your head in deep water. And so we think... We think deep Christianity, mature Christianity, it's measured by love. Now, evidently, they were measuring maturity in all kinds of different ways in the first century. In the church, the Apostle Paul felt it necessary to write this to the Corinthians. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. So he's saying, don't measure your maturity by anything else but by love. Then he goes on to say, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And so I think that's a clear statement of Love is the primary way that we demonstrate maturity of faith in Christ. Now, I like what you said just a little bit ago, Paul, about what we often think love is. We live in a culture that probably would not disagree necessarily with what they're hearing us say. We live in a culture that says all you need is love. I mean, the Beatles paved that way <laughs> forward a long, long time ago, and now this is everywhere. All you need is love. But I think, Paul, what, what I was hearing you say is that the way our culture defines love is not the way the Bible defines love. There is a big difference. And so everybody's talking, if we could just love, basically all the world's problems would go away. And I get where they're coming from. The problem is you cannot give something you have not received. You can't share what you don't have. And so everybody's talking about we just need to share love. And I just want to say as loudly as possible to these people, you can't give the type of love the world needs because you have not experienced that type of love yourself. And so when it comes to loving people this way, we can say it, but it is very hard to give it unless we've received the love of Christ um, through uh, what we call the gospel, that uh, Jesus gave his life for us. There's nothing more we could do to get him to love us more, nothing we could do to cause him to love us less. And we have to receive that type of love to then love in the way that others need. And so I'm just convinced our culture, their definition of love is very anemic, Mm -hmm. It is not a love. It's just niceness or something. It's, it's, um, it's simple. It's easy. It's shallow. You know, Eric, I love that point because in John 15, Jesus sat his disciples down. Th these are some of his famous last words. And indeed, this was the last command given by Jesus. And he said, a new command I give to you, that you love one another. Then he said this, as I have loved you. So he's saying exactly what you just said. You received my love. Yes. And then you pour it out to other people. 
And, and so, as Christians, we're a conduit of Christ's love. We receive, and then we give. We give grace, kindness, forgiveness, mercy, uh, love. All this flows to us and then through us to other people. That's the picture of the Christian life. That's the most accurate picture of the Christian life that we can possibly paint. Yeah. You know, I think uh, love does and says hard things, right? We often think love is just let anybody do whatever they want. That's kind of this idea of love in our culture today, that I, I love you, I let you do whatever you want, whenever you want. That's not loving to my kids. That's actually unloving if I let my kids live that way. And so love is, I want what's best for you. I want what's best for you. And we might disagree about what's best, but if I see something in someone else or someone sees something in me that's not in my best interest, love actually might say something, might do something, might um, do something difficult that would, that would just um, bring actually some, some tension into the relationship, but it's because I want what's best for someone. And um, that is really hard for our culture to, to understand at this point in time. It was, sometimes it's far easier to not bring up a hard topic, to not have a hard conversation, but that's actually less loving. And I think um, our, our culture needs a new sort of new definition or new picture of what love is, and that's why we go back to how Jesus lived to get our picture. Tim Keller says this, he says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. And I think right now in our culture, when people say, I just need to be loved or we just need to show love, um, that might be a comforting statement, but without knowing what's in someone's best interest and without knowing what uh, someone is like, that type of love is superficial. So I do feel like in our world today, there's a lot of superficial love being thrown, or, thrown around. And Tim Keller goes on, he says, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. So someone knows me and they reject me. Oh, that is so painful. Then he says, but to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I want to just bring... Uh, truth into the equation when it comes to what it means to love. Uh, love without truth is this superficial uh, niceness, um, but love with truth involved is actually how Jesus lived. One of the ways that love is defined in the New Testament is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is how we know that we're loved by God, is because He laid down His life for us. Tim Keller, you you talked about Tim Keller. He does a great job about talking about all love is an exchange. Mm. And that means that it's costly. It it costs me something to love you. If I'm going to act in your best interest um, and meet a need that you have that you're unable to meet, and in that way love you, it costs me something. And so the world doesn't define love typically like that. It's not costly. And, and so I, I'm, I'm tracking with you on that. Yeah, you know, um, I think, you know, people who have been listening to this podcast, they know that our mission statement includes two things, devotion and delight. Devotion and delight. The more do- devoted we are to God, the more delighted we'll be. I think devotion and delight are two key ingredients in love. If you have just one of those in a marriage relationship, for example, um, it's not a complete picture of a loving relationship. If I am just devoted to my wife out of duty, but I do not delight in her, that is a limited, uh, there's limited intimacy in that type of relationship. Does that make sense? To become one uh, in only a couple ways, you know, when you have just duty. But I think in our culture today, it's actually the opposite. It's that a lot of relationships and a lot of people look at love 
just as delight. It's just the feelings that kind of come with love. And I think devotion plus delight is an incredible way to describe love. Jesus was devoted to us. How devoted? Devoted to, the, to go to the cross, but he did it for the joy or the delight set before him. So Jesus and his love for us has both devotion and delight. And so when I consider uh, what does love look like with my wife, it's I'm devoted to her and I also delight in her. And, and the more devoted I am to her, um, the more delighted she is with me, and then the more she wants to devote herself to me, and therefore the more I delight in her. And so this is how love grows and how love flourishes, and it's the same way in our love with God. The more devoted I am to Him, uh, the more delighted I will be. And so what does it look like to love God? I love God when I'm devoted to Him, and I delight in Him. And we're going to do this in a message in our vision mm-hmm. series. We're going to talk about this. Yeah, I mean, you, what you're describing is maturity. Maturity, is, a mature person is somebody who can assess the situation and ask themselves the question, what does love require of me? Immature people don't do that. Mm-hmm. Immature people are impulsive. Immature people are self-centered. Uh, immature people are asking the question, uh, what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we measure maturity by how well we love God and others is because that is unique to maturity, this idea of loving. It, it just isn't found in anyone else except the mature person. You don't find it in your kids no. <laughs> until they get older, and then it's wonderful when you see glimpses of it. It's awesome because now they're growing up, they're becoming mature, they're willing to sacrifice for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now, theological precision, and Paul, you mentioned this, it is very important still. We're not saying uh, we should stop thinking. I mean, Jesus invites us to love Him with our hearts and our minds, and so uh, love does involve our minds, of course. And so uh, when I was in seminary, um, one of my professors used to to say this, and I don't know where he got it, but he said, theology rightly practiced leads to doxology. So good thinking, good study of God's Word leads to doxology, doxa's worship. It leads to uh, a growing love uh, for who God is. And so we think it's very loving to be very precise in our thinking at SMCC. And so, Paul, I think we should pivot for just a little bit and talk about why this value matters in our culture. We live in a very religious culture. Uh, Religion loves to pride itself on knowledge and sounding very mature. But why is this value very important in, in Utah? Well, I've been thinking about this a lot because it's going to be included in a vision talk that I'm giving here pretty soon. Um, the most loving thing we can do uh, to someone is tell them the truth. Mm. Uh, if, if, if we know that they're sick and we have the cure, but we fail to give them the cure that's the worst and most immoral thing we could possibly do. And we believe that people are sin-sick, that they need rescue, that they, need, that they have a disease called a sin nature. The only cure for that is what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. And so, of course, we're going to tell people the bad news as well as the good news. That's the most loving thing we can do. Now, in, in doing that, we want to be hopeful and helpful, 
we want to also be inclusive, and that means we're with you in this. We're not better than you. We're sinners in need of a Savior, just like you are. You know, so it needs to come across to, to as many people as possible as we're all in this together. And with Christ, we can experience the freedom and love and forgiveness and grace and kindness of God. And so let's do this. And, and so that kind of biblical precision, especially in the presentation of the gospel, is absolutely essential, especially in this culture. Yeah, I know um, it's so interesting to me. Maturity, if it's just about knowledge and information, is actually far easier than maturity built on love. Uh, it is. There are days where I spend a lot of time reading, studying, writing a message, um, kind of figuring out how to how to deliver these concepts, and that is so fun for me. I just love it. It is easy. But the moment my kids uh, walk into my home office and interrupt me and want to wrestle or the dishes need to be done or I get home from work, loving them well is way harder than being theologically clear. I mean, there's just no way around that for me. And, um, and so we live in a culture where religion uh, is very predominant, and maturity in religion often looks like the most wealthy person must be the most mature. Sometimes we see that. Right. That's, that's a first century thing, that the, the rich were blessed by God. So maturity is not marked by love, it's marked by wealth. That is, an, that is a very ancient perspective to maturity, actually. Um, maturity is marked by the position that you have in the society. So if you have a title, if you have a position, uh, there's some religious uh, title connected to your role in the local church, then that must be the mature person. Um, sometimes the most moral-looking person, of course, morality defined by how the religion or the church defines it, becomes the most mature person. So we wanted to break all of that down. It's not the smartest, it's not the most wealthy, it's not the most prestigious, it's not the person with the nicest car and the nicest house. That is the most mature. The most mature is someone who loves like Jesus loved. I'm kind of like you. If, if uh, left to myself and it wasn't for people... I could be locked in my office and study all day long. I'm theologically curious, mm -hmm. and I mean, I can follow a rabbit trail theologically with the best of them. Yeah. I mean, I can binge out on theological podcasts and YouTube channels. I mean, this is interesting to me, and I could go there. What I recognize is that that doesn't get the job done. You know, we have to translate everything we learn into love. It has to, it has to translate to the people. Um, one of the things that I'm concerned about is this concept that everything has to be deep, you know, that I need to go deeper into the Bible in order to be a mature Christian. And so sometimes our, our messages can be judged as not deep enough. I don't think transformation has as much to do with information as it, do, as it does with actually doing what you already know is, is right and, and obeying what you know to be true. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's the kind of transformation that's real. Just getting a whole bunch of Bible knowledge doesn't transform people. And I'm concerned because oftentimes churches that I grew up in, I, I, I've been around, uh, they, they make an um, all-star, a celebrity, out of the pastor who knows more than everybody. 
obviously we know more than everybody. I have I have spent uh, five years post college in theological studies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course. I know more Greek and Hebrew and things like this than, than the average person in the seats. So what? I, I can't impress people if that was my goal, and I could convince people that they're not very bright theologically, and I am, if that was my goal. But all I would be doing is discouraging them to read, from reading the Bible for themselves and believing that they can understand and apply God's Word without and they were would be unable to do that if I wasn't in their life. Yeah. They they need me to explain everything. Mm-hmm. And that that is so discouraging for people. Mm-hmm. And it's the exact opposite of what we want to see happen. Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, uh, I've kind of stalled out in my growth. There must be a new book I can read. There must be a new theological concept that I can hunt down. There must be something like that to get me going again. We would just say, actually, find somebody who, to use the words of Romans 15, is struggling, someone who is would say, man, I'm spiritually weak right now, and just decide to love them well. Paul, I know you've housed people in your basement for many, many years. Um, that is an example of just loving people who are in need. And so if you feel like you're kind of stuck, stalled out, I would just say, uh, Find people that are difficult to love and love them, and you will quickly feel like you are going deep. You are in over your head um, in in the ability to uh, to love people. So we we like to talk about it like that, and um, I hope yeah, I hope that resonates with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I I think our listeners have too. I hope that they have. I've I've got a question that's been kind of circling through my mind. I'm curious your guys' thoughts on it as we kind of come to an end here. I've, I've been thinking about. You know, why do we have to define that maturity is is measured by how well you love God and love others? It's probably because, you know, commonly, if you were to ask the average person about a religious institution or somebody who is of faith or anything like that, you know, how would you measure maturity? They would say, well, it's how much you know, how much you've memorized, how much can you debate someone or something like that. And, I, and I've wondered through my mind, you know, we contrast religion and the gospel a lot. And so why does religion, you know, measure maturity that way? And I've, and I've wondered myself, is it sometimes easier when you live in religion to be able to kind of justify yourself by being able to check boxes of, I know this, I've memorized this, I can say this. And and, and measuring love is kind of hard. It's kind of subjective rather than, yeah, you're you know, never objective. done. You're yeah. You're never done. Right. I mean, is that what you guys would think as well, living in this culture? Why does religion, why does it feel so much easier sometimes to measure maturity that way? Do you think it's a justification thing of justifying myself, or do you think it's just, I mean, how would you, what would you say to that? Yeah, religion prides itself on self-righteousness, and so the more I can do myself, the more righteous I look to the people around me. And so it's sort of external as well, Mm -hmm. that people can... It's hard for people to see somebody's love. It's easy, it, it can be easier for people to see their knowledge. It can to see their um, kind of their their scorecard on these religious works. And so I think Adam, you're you're hitting the nail on the head. When it comes to love, the scoreboard is a little vague. It's hard to have a scoreboard that says, uh, you know what, I, I invested well in this person. I loved well. They said that to me. I didn't respond. Others aren't seeing that. Others aren't knowing that. Uh, God knows that. And so this is why um, this is a part of our worship. But um, yeah, the scoreboard in religion is very clear. It's how much I give. It's uh, you know how much I know. It's how good I look and the kids look pulling up, how 
clean the car is when we park it in the lot at the church. You know, like it's all that stuff. And um, love is just very hard to measure on a scoreboard. Excellent. I'm glad for that explanation. I don't know, Paul, if you had any thoughts on that as well, or no. You know, in our in the culture that we find in Utah, oftentimes it's not that uh, the religious authorities actually know more, but they claim to hear directly from God, and so they're measuring maturity on how often and how clearly they hear from God, mm-hmm. not by how well they love. And that's kind of a weird thing. It's not really Bible knowledge. Mm. It's just weird spiritual knowledge. Yeah, God gives me more insight, so I must be more mature. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. that's interesting. And so that's a whole other topic. Wow. wow. Yeah, that's great, guys. Thanks for kind of processing that with me. And and listeners, I'm, I'm so glad that you were here today as we covered that um, that, that value that we just went through, just measuring maturity. And, uh, and next week, what we're going to do is uh, cover another one I think is just a really popular, uh, but also complicated uh, to, to an extent of, of just understanding why this is one of our values. Next week, we're going to go through uh, this value. We trust the process in which God changes us from the inside out. Uh, what a, what an interesting concept, and I'm really looking forward to talking about that more uh, next week. But you guys, uh, thank you again so much for listening. I want to remind you to please make sure that you're subscribed. Uh, make sure that you've got the SMCC app on your phone or that you're listening through iTunes or Spotify or something like that. Uh, we really appreciate that. Continue to share it with friends. Uh, like I said, we're, we're over 3,000 downloads now and just so appreciate people's support in this. And if you have a question, uh, make sure that you can either send an email or a voicemail. The, the number and email will be below in the description. We'd love to have that. Love answering those questions, and I think it's helpful to other people to hear those as well. So thank you again uh, for listening. We will see you next week for the newest episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please subscribe, give us a rating, or share with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit our website at smccutah.org. Thanks again for trusting us with your time, and we hope to have you back again soon.